This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Sadie Eck. I'm Courtney Eck. And this is a Patreon-only episode. So welcome, you exclusive bunch of hotties with your <laughs> um, very eyes exclusive. wide shut sort of a vibe mm-hmm. with the masks and mm-hmm. t- lurid intentions. That's right, robes. Lots of yeah. robes up in here. S- silky ones. I'm actually kind of mad I didn't put my soft pants on before we started to record. I what didn't is either. I I'm very, wearing very tight jeans with a very high waist and a mock neck, turtleneck, like the least comfortable possible outfit. Yep. Also the least um, eyes wide shut outfit. <laughs> I know, mine too. I have like a t-shirt on and jeans. So. Anyway. Well, don't let us kill your vibe, guys. You yeah. all, you're a bunch of sexy sexertons, and yep. we are going to tell you about murder tonight. Let's do it. I'm going to do it. And tonight, it's a little bit of a special case because this episode is half personal story and half true crime case. Mm. This is the murder-suicide of Ashley Darby and Jariah Hildwine. Hey. So a couple of days ago, I was reading a thread on Reddit about what it was like finding out someone you know was a murderer, and I read tons of comments, fascinated about what that must feel like, before it dawned on me that I found out a couple of years ago that someone I'd been friends with was, in fact, a murderer, and this is that story. So I've hesitated to cover this story because it's really strange and a very complicated thing to find out that someone you cared about and who many of your friends deeply cared about, was a very bad person. I've read everything I can find on the case, and I thought deeply about how I feel about all of it, and I still come up with tons of unanswered questions and unresolved feelings years later. It's also not at all about me, and I want to be clear that I'm not trying to build sympathy for the perpetrator, but it's a devastating and fascinating case, so here we go. Can't wait. Yep. So when I first met my wife, Laura, she was living in her Chicago and I lived in Portland and three months into dating, we met up in San Francisco where she had an art opening. After the opening, several of us went to dinner and there was a woman at dinner who I knew I knew and she felt the same, but we couldn't place where we'd met. So an hour or so into dinner, she mentioned something about Humboldt County, California, and I said that I'd gone to college there and then it all clicked into place. So she had been an art student at the same time that I had been an art student, and she'd been a year ahead of me, so had been in class with my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> we weren't friends, or, but we definitely knew each other, had talked to each other, etc. So <laughs> she and Laura had met when she moved back to Michigan to start grad school, 
and Laura had gone to give a lecture on being a working artist at her grad school. Wow. So, red string of right. boring <laughs> connections. <so. laughs> and small world. Yes, such a small world. So this girl, we'll call her Brenda. Brenda and I went to college together in California, Northern California. Then she moves back to Michigan and meets my wife, Laura, who she went to Michigan for grad school. Laura went to her grad school, gave a lecture. They met, became, Laura became kind of her mentor-ish. And then Brenda moved back to San Francisco and then we all happened to be at dinner together. It's fucking weird. So crazy. So we all got super excited and started reminiscing about how much we loved our painting teacher who was amazing and all of the people we had in common. And one of us mentioned the name of our most notorious painting peer, Jariah Hildwine. And Laura's immediate reaction was, oh my God, no, you know Jariah? <laughs> to me. <laughs> and suddenly my world got much, much smaller. So Jariah was infamous at Humboldt State University, where he was a budding artist and total character. He was larger than life, somewhere around six foot four in my estimation, wild hair, glasses, weird beard, septum piercing, almost always wearing a utility kilt. Do you know what that is? <laughs> it's yes. like, for those of you who don't know, it's a kilt with cargo pockets. Real so you hot put your in Humboldt stuff County. in there. Yeah, real hot with Jariah. Uh, or some other controversial outfit. And he was often found loudly arguing art or philosophy on his porch next to his oversized paintings of robots with penises or women in bondage. Mm -hmm. And they were so fucking bad, you guys. Like two-dimensional, just giant robots with humongous dicks. <laughs> so like funny. His pan his All of his paintings were bad? In the beginning, all of his paintings were horrible. Horrible. Okay. Horrible. And I used to walk by, I mean, this is in the next part of the story, but I couldn't stand him because I would walk by his house all the time. Arcata, California is a very small place. And he would just be out there like smoking. I think he was smoking. Maybe he wasn't. In my mind, he was smoking cigarettes. It's just blah, blah, blah. Actually, you know, that kind of a character. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh God, this guy's the worst. So he lived a few doors down from my ex-girlfriend, which is why I constantly walked by his house, and was so annoyed by his loud opinions and terrible paintings. They were fucking terrible. But he kept painting, and he got good. Like, really, really, really good. And eventually I changed my major to painting, and fell deeply in love with the medium, and spent as much time as I could in the studio, and Jariah spent even more time in the studio. He was obsessed with painters like Odd Nerdrum, who is considered one of the best figurative painters of all time, and his paintings are often, quote, allegorical or apocalyptic in nature. So in other words, very beautiful and very unsettling. Mm. So Jariah painted in a similar fashion, and he got so good, the topic of his improvement was almost gossip around town. Yeah, I guess that's what I was remembering, was how yeah. good he was. Yeah. yeah, well, remember Lush? So Lush is one of Sadie and... Uh, my mutual best friends who mm -hmm. she's an incredible artist she worked for disney she's just phenomenal and she, we were sort of mutually obsessed with how bad dry was for so long and she was like who the fuck is this guy out here and, <laughs> and then he got so good that it was like you know like a topic of conversation can you believe that he can paint like that how did that i mean it, you guys i can't i cannot begin to describe the leap 
in talent from within maybe four or five years. Is there yeah, any, it was less there, like, than pictures of his new like versus old stuff. I don't have old stuff because I would have had to take a picture of it with like a disposable camera in two thousand. <laughs> Yeah, and print it out. But I will post, I did find actually one of the paintings that he was painting when we were in the studio together Wow, online. So I will, po- I will post that. And it's really good. So it's a remarkable thing to watch someone want something so badly and then work so hard and get it. And it actually made me respect him more. And then the hundreds of hours we spent together painting in the studio made me actually start to like him. And not enough to hang out with him or be BFFs, but I got pretty attached to our unofficial mascot and the star of the HSU painting department. He was loud and goofy and tried too hard to be controversial, but he was harmless and ultimately pretty lovable. So if anyone listening went to art school, you know how you stay in the studio all night sometimes to finish up for a critique. And so you really bond with these people in a way you wouldn't with your other classmates. And so you're sharing this unique experience of finding yourself and exploring your talents. And so I hold a really special place in my heart for these weirdos. And of all the people I went to college with, the people that I was in painting with, that I spent that time in the studio are my only friends. Like they're the only people I still keep in touch with. <laughs> You're making me very nostalgic for like dinners in San Francisco and hanging out with people in art studios. Yeah. <laughs> My COVID quarantine self needs connection with humans. I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. I've been reading Lisa Jewell novels. If anybody likes to read things that are really easy to read, but also kind of like really well written, I've been reading the shit out of Lisa Jewell novels. And God, it does exactly. They all take place in London and like in the Cotswolds and all these. Sort of like, mm-hmm. I need to go on a trip. <laughs> so in 2005, Jariah was accepted into a painting MFA program at the Hofberger School of Painting at the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore. And he moved to Baltimore to attend. He married his college sweetheart, Stephanie Burke, who was also a friend of mine, after he graduated. And he followed her to Chicago so she could attend grad school at the School of the Art Institute in 2008. Once he got to Chicago, he set up a studio in their spare bedroom and began obsessively going to gallery openings in hopes of finding a gallery to show his work and applied to every single teaching position that came available in the city. He wanted to be a teacher so fucking bad from the moment I met him. He wanted to get his MFA and he wanted to be uh, an art professor. He went to gallery openings every single Friday night to meet people and make connections and followed up with emails of images of his work in hopes of breaking through to the vibrant art scene and finding a new home to represent him and display his work. He picked up a few gigs teaching art classes at various centers around the city, participated in group shows and juried art shows, and then finally he got a big break when he convinced my dear friend and Laura's gallerist, Linda Warren, to give him a solo show. On the Chicago Art World blog, Jariah wrote, quote, Advice. Be everywhere. Be at every gallery opening, but also be in your studio constantly. Work pays off. Charm pays off. Be genuine. Well, I don't know. Being genuine is one strategy, my strategy. I'm honest, genuine, and help everyone that I can. It got me. It got me where I am. Other people seem more strategic, more, quote, What can you do for me about it? I saw one of their names in a glossy art magazine at Barnes & Noble today. I'm not saying who or which magazine, but maybe that's a better strategy. To be disingenuous. To be nice only to people who can do something for you. 
to be selfish. Maybe it's smarter, but it's just not me. I'm neither one to bite the hand that feeds me, nor lick the boot that kicks me. So he spent enough time stalking the gallery and pouring on his unusual brand of charm that Linda agreed to give him a shot and gave him a show where he displayed paintings of gothic schoolgirls posing with swords, knives, and guns, and them engaging in battles with zombies. Oh. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And it's funny because that show is really bad, and... Um, that's where I'm about to talk about this more, but that's where Laura met him. I mean, she met him at the openings because he went, he literally went to every single opening at Linda Warren Gallery. And Laura was represented by Linda Warren Gallery. Mm-hmm. He didn't go to every single opening. But the paintings were horrible. And I was reading about them today. I was reading about that show this morning. And the way he wrote about the art made me like it. It's like that was his sort of weird magic. He was so off-putting. Yes, but he always like figured out how to bring you back around. You know, one of those kinds of people. Did Laura go to that show? Yes. Yes, and she hated it. So Jariah's time spent at gallery shows at Linda Warren was, of course, where my wife Laura met him and why she'd exclaimed, oh no, you know Jariah, when he'd come up at dinner in San Francisco a couple of years later. She'd had the same first impression. He was brash, obnoxious, tried too hard to be controversial, and while he was no doubt talented, his subject matter felt juvenile and, well, like he was trying too hard to be controversial. So I defended him and told her that I'd had the same reaction and then she softened to the idea of him and then we moved on with our lives by this point because he no longer lived in Chicago. But everybody, you know, I talked to Linda Warren who is a very sophisticated person, extremely sophisticated and also very kind and big hearted. But she, we just all love Jariah, you know? And she's mm-hmm. like, he's fucking weirdo, man. Who does that? Who goes to every single opening? And she's like, eventually, <laughs> just like, sure, kid, you've earned it, you know? <laughs> and he was talented, so. So when it became clear that Jariah wouldn't find the teaching position he so desperately desired, he expanded his search nationwide and was thrilled to be offered a position at Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff, Arizona. So he moved there, leaving his wife Stephanie in Chicago, but remaining married to her. For a year, he kept his studio in Chicago and flew back and forth monthly, trying to maintain his relationship with his wife as well as Linda Warren Gallery, as there isn't a lot of room for gothic teenage zombie art in the tourist town of Flagstaff. (laughs) (laughs) Really? So the challenges of maintaining a long-distance professional relationship eventually proved too much, and Jariah stopped traveling so frequently and focused more on his life and career as a teacher, which I knew through Facebook he absolutely adored. There isn't a lot of information about whether it was the distance or Jariah's new relationship that ended his marriage, but in 2015, Jariah started dating 24-year-old Ashley Darby, who was a previous student of his and his wife, Stephanie, filed for divorce, which was complete sometime in July of 2015. Any idea how old he is at this point? Sorry, yes, 36. Okay. And I also know that he and Stephanie had a pretty open relationship. Not necessarily open, but I know that they weren't having purely monogamous sex, mm-hmm. <laughs> even you know throughout their relationship. So I don't, I don't think that his relationship with Ashley necessarily ended the marriage like a total deal breaker right exactly 
So on September 3rd, 2015, Ashley's father reported her missing after she didn't show up for work, and Jariah was reported missing on September 8th after he didn't return any of his mother's phone calls. I'm sorry, when did they start dating? In... Also in 2015, so earlier in 2015. Okay, so not quite a year had passed. Like some amount of months, but not. it's not been a long time. Or, yes, correct. Yeah. So he okay. moved to Flagstaff in, what did I say, 2013? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so under two years. Okay. Um, but I think Just trying that, to get a sense of like how how long they were together. Yeah, not not a tremendously long time. And I think I say this later in the story, but she was one of his students previous. Yeah, I think you just said that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Police looked into their disappearances and learned that Jariah had traveled to Tulsa, Oklahoma unexpectedly on August 29th, where Ashley was visiting her parents and then resigned his position at NAU on the 30th. Jariah and Ashley were last seen when they visited a lawyer's office together on September 2nd at around 3 p.m. So what the fuck happened? Excellent question. That was going to be my question. (laughs) (laughs) That's the end of the story. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com. Trigger warning, guys, by the way, that this there's sexual assault. I'm going to talk a lot about sexual assault and sex that was not consensual moving forward. So on August 21st, a 20-year-old NAU student called Flagstaff police to report that she had been sexually assaulted by Jariah in his home and that she'd started spending time with him in the spring of 2015 when he was still her professor. According to the unidentified student, on May 4th, she and other students traveled to a party together in downtown Flagstaff, which Jariah had said would be their final exam for the class. So I don't know what kind of party, but I'm assuming... He was like, he's just that kind of person that would be like, okay, go to this party for your final exam, you know, and learn a thing about it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Totally being quirky or, you know, thinking outside the box, getting kids to think outside the box. So after the party, Jariah invited students back to his home and three accepted the invitation, including the victim. The victim said that the four of them then engaged in an orgy oh, and that she, I know and that she didn't want to participate in sex acts with Jariah but did so because she was afraid of the others quote rejecting or ridiculing her and that she had consumed quote a lot of alcohol. <sighs> she said that Jariah followed up by sending her texts for weeks after the party and that she always came up with excuses not to spend time with him until finally she felt too guilty about blowing off her professor and so agreed to meet for dinner at his house with he and his girlfriend, Ashley Darby, on the night of June 17th. So about two months, two and a half months after the orgy party. She said that Jariah had sex with her that night without her permission, and she then made plans to meet at the house again the next night to engage in another orgy, including Ashley and Jariah. Mm. It just breaks my heart. Yeah. <laughs> just, I, yeah. Thinking about being 20 and... Yes. Like, ugh, 
professors and just living in a small town. How confusing and awful and like yeah, my heart yeah. breaks for her. Yeah. And knowing what I know about Jirai and knowing how nonconformist he was mm-hmm. and how he preached nonconformity mm-hmm. and how that could be very seductive mm-hmm. to a young person, to especially a young art student who's like yeah. well, he sounds oh, super yeah. gregarious and like yeah. Jariah, extremely gregarious. And listen, Ashley Darby is a stunning individual. And I know firsthand that he has engaged in sex acts with some very attractive, vibrant, amazing human beings. And Jariah is not, was not an attractive person <laughs> by any estimation. So, yeah, he was very persuasive. He was very charming, very gregarious, and very talented. And I could see how that line would get super blurred in this young student's mind where it's like, oh, it's sort of like this Weimar Berlin, you know, yeah. 1920s. Like, we're just going to experience life in nonconformist ways totally. through sexual orgies and stuff. You say, know, like, sex is so confusing in those early years. Oh, my years. God. Like, good what's, point. what's right, what isn't, what feels good, what... Like, am I doing it because I'm supposed to? Like, I remember having those feelings of, like, I don't really like that. You know, like, just yes. just don't know yes. what it's supposed to be exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really proud of her for coming to the decision herself that what she experienced was not consensual and was yes. not okay, even yes. though she kept showing up. Yep. You know? So which, brave. Yeah. Yes. And it gets really unclear I think for a lot of people and it's you know I mean Jesus rape victims get blamed regardless but it's Mm -hmm. like why did you keep going over to his house if you didn't want to have sex with him you know Mm -hmm. I I mean that's what that's not what I say but that's what society says (laughs) you know and so I'm really really proud of her for for coming to this decision that like this was not okay with me yes So the victim returned to Jariah's house on June 18th, and she and other witnesses reported seeing a lot of underage drinking at the party. The victim engaged in another orgy with seven people that night, including Jariah and Ashley, as well as at least one other student and a 17-year-old girl who Ashley had invited. Mm. The victim said on that night, quote, an older man she had been flirting with forced her to perform sexual acts. I know. Quote, during the course of the investigation, sheriff's office detectives also learned that Hilda Wine and another man had sex with a 17-year-old despite knowing her age. The girl later told police she was extremely intoxicated at the time. On June 20th, the victim went to the Northern Arizona Center Against Sexual Assault for a sexual assault nurse examination, but didn't make a police report until August 21st. Quote, When you enter that house, you know this type of thing is going to happen, the young woman told the nurse during the examination. They live a voyeuristic lifestyle, and I don't like being alone with Jariah. The university became aware of the assault allegations on the same day the police report was filed, and quote, sexual assault is a fireable offense under NAU's safe working and learning environment policy. The same policy also prohibits consensual sexual relationships between faculty and students in cases where the instructor has, quote, direct authority, influence, or responsibility with regard to that student, such as controlling his or her final grade in a class. Good. Yes, that's appropriate. 
It's fucking predatory. It's awful. Yes. On August 27th, the university informed Jiraiya that he was being suspended pending an investigation and sent him a memo saying, quote, due to allegations of serious misconduct on your part and based on my judgment that your presence on campus is likely to constitute a substantial interference with the orderly functioning of your school, effective immediately, you are hereby placed on administrative leave with pay from your role as lecturer at the School of Art. When Jiraiya resigned on August 30th, he wrote, quote, Rather than subject everyone, myself included, to the stress of this investigation, I need to take responsibility for my actions. So not really denying anything. Mm-hmm. So police began the search for the missing couple, and on September 19th, police found Ashley's vehicle at the base of the Abernew Bear Jaw Trailhead near Flagstaff. And upon searching the vehicle, they found a suicide note for she and Jiraiya, written in Ashley's handwriting. And I've read a couple of different reports. One report said that there were suicide notes for both of them, but I don't know if that was two separate notes or if that just referred to the one note. Police searched the area extensively, and on September 23rd, they found Ashley and Jariah dead in a wooded area about a quarter mile from the parking lot and determined they had been deceased for some time. Ashley was found on her back, having been shot twice in the head and twice in the chest. The autopsy report said that when she was shot, she appeared to have been lying on her back with her hands interlaced behind her head as if she was sleeping or resting, and that whoever shot her was standing over her. Ashley's mother said that she had been acting strangely in the days leading up to her death, and that she'd feared that she'd been taken there against her will, but there was no sign of struggle at the scene. Ashley's mother had welcomed Jariah into her home in Tulsa when he'd showed up unannounced, despite the fact that she'd never met him and his visit was a surprise, and in the end, Ashley had cut her visit two days short and returned to Flagstaff with Jariah. So, I think it's clear, but just in case it's not, Ashley was visiting her mother in Tulsa, Jariah just showed up, basically was like, we gotta go, Ashley left, they went back to Flagstaff, met with the lawyer, and then disappeared. It's so sad. It's devastatingly fucking sad. So Jariah died of a single self-inflicted gunshot to the head and was found holding a 9mm Glock handgun. Toxicology reports also found toxic levels of... Uh, hang on for one second. Dipendahydramine? Dipenhydramine. Nailed it. Yeah, clearly a pharmacist in both of their livers which is an antihistamine that is the active ingredient in the -the over-the-counter sleep aid unisom sleep gels the pills had been purchased on september 2nd and eight of the 16 pills in the pack were missing and it was a toxic level but not necessarily lethal correct yeah i don't they they were they didn't die from it but i think it did put them that night pretty good Jariah's death was ruled a suicide, and Ashley's death was originally ruled a suicide, but the ruling was later changed to homicide. So Jariah's website is still active, and on the homepage it reads, quote, Our animal minds from an early age are drawn to strange sources of power. The dead dog on the side of the road, the dirty magazine down by the creek, the gun in Dad's closet— No amount of civilization can fully repress these impulses sparked by these talismans. 
The adolescent boy kneels and prays before these idols, scrounging pages of pornography from banquet lots or his father's underwear drawer, playing the gunslinger in video games to reenact news footage of soldiers at war. Proper society castigates the child for his hedonistic worship. I have built him a church. And that is the story of the murder-suicide of Ashley Darby and Jariah Hildwine. And what the fuck? What the fuck? Wow. I mean, like, yeah, man. It just is so drastic, right? Yes. yes. It's so drastic. And it's, that was... Go ahead. I was just... It seems like Jariah did everything full hog, like... Right. Good stuff, bad stuff, all of the things. And then he just was like, all right, well, I got caught. I better kill myself. I, I murder I my girlfriend. I, it's, it was so shocking. And of course, when we, yeah. we, we heard that he'd killed himself, like the first you hear he killed himself and then you get online and you find out, oh shit, he was charged with sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, but that seems crazy, you know? And then right. you find out that he killed his girlfriend. It's like, yeah, I know that that job meant everything to him. I know that that was his whole thing. You know, he was so proud of himself and he had achieved this thing and he loved that fucking job. And so I think, here's my, here's what I think. I think that he went to Tulsa. He told Ashley what was up. I think that... Either Ashley was just so enamored with him that she was like, yep, we're Bonnie and Clyde in this shit, and we have always had this sort of dark relationship, and we're just going to go out together. And or because she had invited the 17-year-old to the party and engaged in sex with the 17-year-old, that they went to the lawyer, and the lawyer was like, look, you are both facing these charges you're definitely going to lose your job and you might go to jail, you know, yeah. regardless, you know, dry knew his career was over, but Ashley's life wasn't, that's just the crazy thing. Right. You know, his, her life was not over and yet she chose either. She chose to follow him in that direction or he forced her to. Right. Or she was, like you said, you know, sort of that coercion. Coercion? No. Coercion. Coercion. Corrosion and coercion. He corroded her into being able to coerding her. I don't know what to think. Yeah. You know, because it doesn't sound like there was a lot about who she was and what her background was. Nope. um, So it's hard to say, you know, but that's sort of what I would think is. She maybe went along, quote yeah. unquote, willingly. But yeah. what what had he done for the year they were together, or however long it was? And you know, like she yeah. was young, and he was it, it, he was good at persuading people. Persuading people, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in the last few days I've been reading about it, and like this is by far the most I've dug. I mean, there's not a lot about the case, but it's also like trying to piece together who she is. And the only things I could find about her were an Etsy page. She has an Etsy page where she's like, I'm I'm an artist from Flagstaff, Arizona, and I like to sell, buy and sell jewelry, mostly turquoise and vintage items. And it's like a tarantula print and a little hip bag for like a gunslinger kind of cowgirl, you know, and stuff like that. 
And then I, re- I found, read a random comment on a news article about her, and this girl was like, I was in a pawn shop, and I see this woman with a beautiful smile, and I went over, and I was just drawn to talking to her. And you know how you just meet people, and it clicks, and you feel like you've known them your whole life? And she's like, that's that was Ashley, and I, that was, you know, we, I felt like I'd known her forever. And then I was traveling back through Flagstaff with my boyfriend, and I was like, pull over. We have to go to this pawn shop. And I didn't know why. It was God leading me in the direction. Mm-hmm. She said she sat out front, and some guy came up and said, are you here for Ashley? And she said, I, I don't know why I'm here. I just felt like I needed to come here. And he said, well, Ashley was murdered, and oh, that was no. the end of the story. I know. Oh. I know. That's the, those are the only two things. I couldn't find an obituary. I found her grandmother's obituary. I couldn't find anything wow. about her. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's a real housewife of the Potomac named Ashley Darby. Oh, so Lord. Yeah. lots of things can't be <laughs> yes. read. I've, I've run across those instances before. It's like, I don't want to know about the rugby player. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think I think that it was probably a combination of those things. I don't think that he would have forced her guy by gunpoint to like right. write a suicide note, and I think that she went along willingly. So yeah. I'm surprised that it was ruled a homicide. I think it was a suicide, right? Not to not make to, like, him like, like a better person or something. No, still a no, terrible no. person for right. engaging in this with her. It's right. basically a homicide. But, yes, I would say it is homicide. Right. He, she wouldn't have just gone up into the woods and killed herself. Right. So, yeah, I guess I take there. it back. It is yeah. homicide. Yeah. Oy. It's that kind of that just so sad. That cult. It's a cult. It's another cult story. I just guess. But he's that kind of guy. Yes. I mean, who gets, like, seven youngsters to have sex with him when he's almost right. 40? You know? It's like. It's so crazy. Yeah. Yep. Who has time for that shit? I don't. Uh, narcissists. Yeah. Narcissists we, do. It's a good also, one, Court. Thanks. Thank you. I've thought about that one a lot over the years. Well, the year. <laughs> Excuse <Yeah>. me. <laughs> I've thought about doing it a few times. And one, you know, there's limited amounts of information. But two, it's like, it's weird. It's a weird thing to know somebody and have have um opinions about who they are and have cared for them you know and again you know it's obviously not about me even in the slightest and we weren't that close but we have friends who were very very close to him and were really devastated by this um but that reconciling of holy fuck he was a really bad person is the craziest journey to go on you know yep and to yep. just hoping that it's not true, you know, that he was, mm-hmm. it was a misunderstanding. No, it wasn't a misunderstanding. He fully, like, was, he was a predator. He was right. a predator, and then he was a murderer, and that sucks. Yeah, right? And it <laughs> yep. opens up all that humanity of... Exactly. Like, the complexities of people and... Yes. You know, yeah. How it's like a razor's thin edge that we all walk and... Mm-hmm. You know, when you meet people like him and you're like, oh, he's harmless. He's weird. And, you know, generally they are. It's like the West Memphis Three. Like, those guys in Jariah look, present the same, you know? Like, yeah. we look crazy. We're into dark things. Like, I was into super dark things as a kid. I still am, you know? Right. But I present as, like, a housewife. I don't know what I present. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> like a like a snappy dress and housewife or something. I don't think you present as a housewife. I don't, like a normal person, right? Yeah, you're a totally normal person. 
Yeah. Whatever that means. But yes. Right. Right. At first glance, you're not like, oh, she loves the dark arts. (laughs) (laughs) She loves Madewell. A murderer. (laughs) (laughs) She likes interior design. Yeah. (laughs) She has good taste. That's how you present. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you. I present as oh she loves horses. <laughs> no, that's not true at all. You also have great taste, great taste. But yeah, you and I present as normal people, but we're pretty dark. Yes, people like Jiraiya present as very dark, but you're like oh he's dark, but he's a lovable teddy bear. He's right. cuddly, you know. Right. He's he wouldn't hurt a fly. Oh yes, he would. He would yeah. seduce a fly and then mentally manipulate it into killing himself. Yeah, oh, he the story about him and his terrible art and. Uh, it makes me think about an artist here in my little town. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, God, I'm not going to say his name anyway if I can no, think but of I it. No, but I know who you're uh, referring to. Yeah, I went to a, I don't know, a couple years ago, went to a little local art show. <laughs> yes, otherwise no show. <laughs> God. And it's like winter scenes and pictures of cardinals or whatever, you know, like yes. just what you would imagine in rural Indiana. Yes. And then you walk into one room and it's all just young women, beautifully painted. Yeah. Young women and like really crazy bondage. Yes. And I was like, whoa, how <laughs> does he get away with that here in yeah. the little town? I mean, yes. really, like how has he not been run out with pitchforks and torches? But yeah, just brought that brought that up in my mind. Yeah. Well, those, those paintings are really upsetting. And look, I... I am down with some controversial art. Like, pr- provoke me, guys. I'm mm-hmm. down for it. So anyway, don't be a cult leader. Don't seduce your students. Don't coerce your girlfriend into allowing you to shoot her four times. Yeah, don't rape people. Don't rape people. Don't be bad people. It really no. devastates the people in your life and mm-hmm. ever ripples out forever and ever and ever into, into infinity. And that's, that's right. shitty. Yes. Yeah, man. So, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) A good one, Court. That was a really, really good one. Thanks. And we love you guys. Yes, we do. Come back back here for more murder. I don't know any other murderers. I I mean, knock wood. I don't think I know any more murderers. So, that's a lot. Do you know any murderers? Um, (gasps) No, I do know one murderer, but I don't know. And there's nothing about the case. J.L. Spivey. Oh, yeah. went to elementary school within a murder. He was in my first grade class. Yep. He killed an 80-year-old for like 20 bucks or something. A real monster. A total monster. Yeah, no, I don't think I do. Do you guys know know any more? I have no victims, but I don't know. Yeah, I know a couple of victims, too. Do you guys know any? Tell us about it. Tell us about it. Come on over and send us a creepy message about how you knew somebody who murdered somebody. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is our life. That's right. We want to hear about it. Yep. Uh, we're getting real close to 100 patrons. Yeah. Just keep on coming. So well, you guys have after. already done it. Yeah, I know. I was like, so sign up, but you did. I'm thinking maybe after the holidays, yes. after Christmas, New Year's, we can plan uh whatever we decided we were gonna do multiple things as a thank you we're also getting close to our one year anniversary which is so crazy to think about um so it should be a lot of fun stuff great up i can't wait for the party yeah so anyway we love you guys we love you guys thank you you. so much for your support 
absolutely. And we'll see you on Saturday and we'll see you on Wednesday. See you then. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.